open, please, if you can turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Just going to read one verse this morning, and I'm going to preach out of that. It says, uh, I'm using the English Standard Version, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners, that they might be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who's in secrets, and your Father who sees in secrets will reward you. So Father, I pray that uh, this morning as we just look at your words, you would come and teach us by your Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a praying church, that more and more we would, you would teach us how to pray. And so I trust you, Lord, for just uh, your grace this morning that I might communicate well and clearly that we would be built up in, in the faith and encourage one another in our journeys as we walk through life together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I, I've called this message this morning Freedom and Discipline in Prayer for a particular reason and that we complain as I go. But how many of you agree that prayer is a good thing? It's a, it's a good thing uh, to pray. And I've been leading church long enough to know that part of any church life is learning how to pray and learning to pray in a way that is still free. And what I mean by that is this. Over the last five years, more than anything, I've come to appreciate and love the freedom that we have in Christ. We are free in Jesus. And He came to buy freedom for us. And that includes every area of the church life. That when we worship God, we worship Him out of a place of freedom. When we pray, we pray out of a place of freedom. When we give, we give out of a place of freedom. When we, when we um, enjoy fellowship with each other, it is out of a place of freedom. There's never compulsion in the church. And so much of church life can be motivated out of subtle compulsion. Even if it's not said from the front, there's, there's an expectation that... Um, we need to do these things. Are you with me? And so, I hope that this morning you will be set free to enjoy your prayer life and that your prayer life would be accelerated and multiplied in, through what, what I, I say. I've, I've heard things like this over the years. Um, I've heard preachers say, God only responds to prayer. Have you ever heard that? God only responds to prayer. And by that they're saying to the people, you need to pray because... If you don't pray, God's not going to respond. Well, I want to say to you, that's true. God does respond to pray. But you know, I also think God can do stuff without us <laughs> praying. What I mean? Well, He created the universe and everything that we see without us praying one prayer. <laughs> he created everything. He gave us life. He, gave, he created the universe and He created everything that is around us without us praying one prayer. God can do a whole bunch without us praying. <laughs> but it's good that we pray. Yeah? How many of you have heard things like this? Prayer is the engine room of the local church. You heard that? It's true that prayer is very, very important in the, in, in, in the life of the church. But if by saying prayer is the engine room of the local church, we're trying to put on people, unless you come and pray on Saturday with us or Friday or whatever it is, that this church is not going to go anywhere because you're not praying. I want to say over a period of time, that is just a false motivation. It doesn't motivate people to pray at all. You might pray like that for a while, 
until you get tired. <laughs> and then you'll say, but I'm tired. I can't keep this up. There's only one motivation to pray, and I hope you get it this morning. The motivation that we all have to pray is because we love Jesus. <laughs> and we love His gospel. And that motivates us on the inside. Christianity is always inside out. Always. And I am a church leader, and I would love that every time we have a prayer meeting, we can't put people in because there's so many people that want to pray together. I would love it. And that's still the dream of my heart for this church. But let's be those that are keeping each other free as we learn to pray together. Are you with me? So I want to talk about discipline, and I want to talk about spontaneity. And what I mean by discipline is simply this. Uh, things that we do, that we plan to do. For example, having a week of prayer and fasting or a monthly prayer meeting or some of you might have the, the, the routine, the discipline of praying before you, you eat together as a family. Uh, we try and pray before our staff meeting. Uh, you might, every, every time I preach, I try and pray before I preach to say, Lord, teach us through your word. We're asking for his help and, and we, we do these things together. You might like to pray before breakfast with your family or before you go to bed at night. These are, these are, these are disciplines. Perhaps um, at work you have, uh, over the years, guys that work in London have had lunch hour prayer meetings with, with some of the guys that they work with. Um, you know, the Bible is full of encouragements to pray. Uh, if, you, if you read the story of Daniel, it says he prayed three times on his knees, Daniel 6.10. Uh, the psalmist, when, when, when the psalmist speak, speaks about prayer, Psalm 119, Verse 164, he says he prays seven times a day. There's a, there's a kind of constancy in what he does. And uh, says uses language like, In all the watches of the night I pray to you. Psalm 119, verse 148. And there is a discipline that I'd like to speak about this morning because those kind of things don't just pop out of you. <laughs> they don't just happen. They just kind of spontaneously combust on the inside. Um, you think about them. And there's a certain decision that you go through, a process where you decide for your own life and the life of your family what you want to value as good, and then you do that intentionally. There is an intentionality to prayer, and uh, some people are very intentional, and we call those people disciplined people. You know what I'm talking about. You can say, that person is a disciplined person. There's an intentionality in their life. They are focused. They give themselves to certain things. Others are less intentional, and if we're honest, there's degrees of intentionality, a long spectrum of them, where we might find ourselves. So all I'm trying to say is that we are all different. We all have different personalities, and some are more intentional, some are more disciplined than others. And that's okay. Can we keep each other free? All right? Secondly, what do I mean by freedom? Well, sometimes we use the word freedom to differentiate between freedom and discipline. But I don't want to put those two things together because I do not think it is right to do that. And it can imply that there's freedom, uh, that, that there can't be freedom in discipline, and I don't think that is true. There can be great freedom in discipline. For example, as I look back over the last year, I'm so grateful to God how He's changed the church. And when I look where we were this time last year as we started, this... Uh, the last school year, and where we are this year, it's a completely different church. I rejoice. I say thank you, God, for the life you've brought, the freedom that you've brought. And there have been five weddings that have been markers for me. 
just in terms of the incredible joy that God is re, re bringing us into in the life of the church. And we had Tim and Becky's wedding two weeks ago, which was just a delightful time of the celebration of what God is doing. Before that, we had Andy and um, uh, Anka, who are in, Andy serving in Romania, and we had a wonderful wedding with them. We had Charles and Ramona's celebration, just a delightful thing of what God's doing in their lives. And the year started with two weddings, um, Richard and Jill, who are just about to celebrate their first anniversary. When is it? In December, so nearly a first anniversary for them. And before that, or after that, I can't remember now, was um, Vicky and Phil. Just delightful, delightful times of celebrating the new thing that God is doing. But I want to say this. When we celebrated with Tim and Becky two weeks ago, everything was planned <laughs> by Tim and Becky. Down to the last detail, even how we prayed for them at the end, it was planned. Becky worked out what song she wanted, how she was going to walk down, the flowers, the chandelier that is still hanging here delightfully was all part of that deal. And if you were there, you would have experienced in that time overwhelming joy. There was an uncluttered sense of freedom in the meeting, but everything was planned. Are you with me? In other words, freedom is when you are doing just what you want to do and you are loving it, you are enjoying it. There's a sense of, of um, worship and joy on the inside of you. And that is possible even when there's discipline involved. Are you getting what I'm saying? And it's true for every one of these things that I've talked about in terms of prayer. There can be wonderful joy and freedom even in acts of discipline it, like prayer. You see, this is also true though, sometimes when we plan things and we do them intentionally, you do wind up sometimes doing some stuff and you don't enjoy it. That is also true. And that's not normally what would you, you would call freedom. For example, you might plan one day this week, you might say, okay, we're going to pray as a family. We're going to pray on Thursday night or whatever it is, and we're going to get together, we're going to pray, and you have your meal, and then there's some tension around the table, and the kids are fighting, or you arguing with your wife, or, she, or whatever, and suddenly the desire to pray evaporates like that. Or, or something like saying grace before meals. If, 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 you, if you say grace before a meal and you're not a lover as you say it, it just becomes empty words, doesn't it? <laughs> I've got a friend who says he only, he only says grace once a week when he buys his groceries. So he doesn't have to say it every meal. I mean, there's, that's okay. <laughs> but you lose something of a worshipping heart, don't you? When you thank God for every meal. I want to encourage you. <laughs> uh, that's not necessarily freedom. So I don't put freedom alongside discipline because I think they, they, they are not working against each other. But I do want to talk to you this morning about discipline and spontaneity. Spontaneity. Uh, alongside discipline is spontaneity. What is spontaneity? It's when you do something without planning to do it. That's what spontaneous means. There's something that rises up on the inside of you, from your heart, without any prompting, without any intention to do it. It's just something that wells up inside of you by the Holy Spirit. And He awakens a desire in you to pray. And it might be something like 
just whispering thank you to God when you're driving home on the N25 and you narrowly miss an accident and you just say, oh, thank you, God. Thank you for your protection. It might be that you're writing exams like uh, some of you have just done. And in the middle of a difficult exam, you just spontaneously say, thank you, Jesus, that you're helping me with this exam. Um, maybe you've been, you might be speaking to someone on, on, on the phone and you're aware that the conversation is not going well and then you cry out to God in the moment and just say, Jesus, help me to be gracious right now. Help me to be kind right now. Uh, these are all spontaneous expressions of prayer. You might cry out spontaneously in one of the corporate meetings that you have. Or you might just be simply, simply <laughs> sitting simply in your backyard at the end of the day and you just, uh, you just see a beautiful, beautiful sunset or whatever it is for you and you just thank God from your heart. That's spontaneous prayer. Are you with me? And this is, the, this is the real thing, though. We tend to feel most free when we are doing things spontaneously. Have you ever noticed that? You tend to feel more free on the inside when you are being spontaneous, and often you don't feel as free when you are being disciplined. Well, that's a thing of perception that I think we need to reflect on a little bit. So my question to you this morning, and this is what I've been looking at this week, what does the Bible say about discipline, and what does the Bible say about spontaneity in prayer? And I've been thinking about that for a number of reasons. Primarily because I would, with all my heart, desire that the prayer life of this church is vibrant on every level, is growing on every, on, uh, on every level, and is full of the Spirit on every level. Wouldn't you agree? And so I've been praying, saying, God, let the prayer life of this church grow in every area, whatever that looks like. But my sense is this as I look at the church, certainly parts of the evangelical church, that there seems to be a swing of the pendulum from discipline to spontaneity in the name of being free in the gospel. Can I put it more bluntly? In other words, there's a concern to be driven by the gospel and the freedom that we have in Christ, which is a good thing, and not to be driven by discipline, and so you'll hear words like legalism versus freedom. The right. Let me. Sorry. These are all, these are all um, words that describe essentially the same thing. Overall, I want to say to you that it is a very good sign that we want to be motivated out of gospel freedom and not out of legalism. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly say if we don't live on the gospel, and the work that Christ has done in us, all of our this has never done this before. There we go. Okay, let me put my front pocket. All right, thank you. All right, so we don't, we don't want our, our life to become. Our, our spiritual life become dead and just like a stench in God's nostrils. No, we want it to have life. My question to you then, secondly, would be this. Are we then legalistically resisting discipline? What I mean? Well, it's possible to be a half-biblical person. It's possible that we can get really excited about the freedom that we have in Jesus, the spontaneity of the gospel, and lose touch with what the Bible also says about intentionality 
about having focus and discipline for your life. And our experience of God can become so shallow, shallow that the only way we have of conceiving of discipline is saying that it's legalism. And that anything intentional that compels you to do something when you don't feel like it can only be a work of the law. It can only be trying to please God out of works. Or earning your salvation. Or a strategy to get God on your side, to somehow please Him if I do this thing. I want to say that's not the gospel. You see, any act of discipline, no matter how good, might be trying to please God, might be trying to earn your salvation. But what we sometimes fail to realize is that if, if we just continually resist that, it can also reflect the heart of legalism on the inside of us. What do I mean? It's possible to turn any act of resistance into an act of legal performance that fails the test of the gospel. What I'm trying to say, very simply, is that whether you're a person who tends towards being disciplined or intentional, or whether you're a person that tends towards being spontaneous, or however you want to describe it, you are just as liable to trust in your own righteousness, your righteousness of being disciplined, or your righteousness of being spontaneous, rather than on Christ's righteousness. We both suffer from the same thing. Oh, I'm free in the Spirit. I don't do that legalistic stuff. Or, I'm disciplined. It's all our own righteousness. It's our own work. No, no, no. We've got to keep each other free. Are you with me? The Gospel keeps us free. And so I want to point you, in terms of what I'm trying to say about prayer, to the heart of the Gospel. The heart of the Gospel is that Jesus died for us. 1 Corinthians 15.3 That's a very brief summary of, of, of saying the only way to be right with God is on the basis of what Jesus has done for you. Yes? Not what you have done. Another way of saying what the Gospel is is that God... The fact that God is smiling on you, the, the fact that God is pleased with your life, is 100% to do with what Jesus has done for you and what you enjoy by faith, by believing. That's what Jesus has done for you. You can't get God to be any more pleased with you other than He is already because of what Jesus has done. So, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of Christ. He takes our sin. We become His righteousness. And that doesn't happen by us doing a few religious works or righteous works like prayer or like insisting that we only want to be spontaneous. It happens by faith in Jesus. That's how it happens. And so why, that's why Paul says in Philippians 3, 9, I want to be found in Him, found in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that comes from saying I pray three times a day, that comes from saying, well, I don't pray like that, I'm free. It's all our own righteousness that comes alone through faith in Christ. A righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's the heart of the gospel that motivates us to pray, that encourages us to pray, and helps us to be free while we pray. Are you with me? And so, there's a danger to discipline and there's a danger to spontaneity. When it comes to prayer, discipline counts for nothing. Only uh, what counts 
is faith working through love, Galatians 5, 6. Uh, resistance to discipline counts for nothing. The only thing that faiths, that counts is faith working through love. And so, the opposite of legalism is not spontaneity. The opposite of faith is not discipline. Spontaneity can even be legalistic. Discipline can be an act of faith. So with all of these points as an introduction, really, can we have a look then at this little scripture that I've started with? Matthew 5, Matthew 6, verse 5. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they stand, to, they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corner that they might be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your fathers in secrets, and your father who sees in secrets will reward you. I call this message um, the discipline in, of prayer and freedom in prayer on purpose because both of those things we need to hold together. Uh, the, te the text that I've just referred to uh, now talks about us praying behind closed doors in our room, in the quiet place, in our inner quiet place. And there are other texts like, for example, Ephesians 6 and Jude 1, which talk about praying in the Spirit. And I want to read two of them to you. Ephesians 6, 18. Pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, praying for all the saints. talks about praying in the Spirit. Jude 1, verse 20. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. So let me talk a little bit about this in terms of spontaneity. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, he gives us a clue. He says this, No one is speaking in the Spirit of God whoever says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So it seems to me that when we pray in the Spirit, it means we're praying under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We are energized by the Holy Spirit's help. That's why no one can say Jesus is cursed when speaking in the Spirit. You can't say that if the Holy Spirit is motivating you. So I take it that when we pray in the Spirit, we are experiencing the guidance of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. We're experiencing the energy of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is shaping us and helping us to pray and learn to pray as we do that. And that's, I want to say, is the heart of the Gospel. That's, that's the way we pray when we are living in the Gospel. Um, it's like the equivalent of faith in Jesus. It's, it's the prayer equivalent of, of that. It's, uh, it's when we are trusting in God and His love to accept us and help us to pray simply for Jesus' sake, not, not for any other reason. That's the Holy Spirit's work in us. That is learning to pray in the Spirit. And I put it to you this morning that the Gospel and understanding the Gospel, the work of Jesus that He's done for you in your life, helps you to pray spontaneously. Galatians 3 verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles in you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Paul answers my question by saying, God supplies the Holy Spirit to us by hearing with faith. That is, the Holy Spirit moves in us and helps us to do everything, to pray, and every, everything else that we're called to do, not by being coerced by an outside pressure, not by me getting up week after week and saying, please pray. 
It's good for you. I mean, I can say that, and I need to say that occasionally. But what motivates us from the inside is that we are simply trusting in God for our lives because of what Jesus has done. And so when we pray, we're trusting in what Jesus has done. We are, we're trusting in His righteousness, not my righteousness. And that, as we do that, the Spirit helps us. The Spirit encourages us. The Spirit guides us. And that's how the Gospel helps us to pray in the Spirit spontaneously. And this is what Paul is saying in Galatians. So then, let's talk a little bit finally as I close then about praying behind closed doors. Verse 6 says, and this is how the two things go together, the discipline of prayer and the freedom of prayer. Verse 6 says, go into your room and shut the door. Okay? You go into your room. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is, that requires an action from you. That's where the discipline comes in. No one is going to lead you by the hand across your house to your door and open the door for you so that you can go inside to pray. The only person that can do that for you is you. That's the discipline part. All right? You go across the room and you shut the door, says Jesus. That requires movement. <laughs> it requires your body. It requires your head saying to your legs, we're going to do this now. Come with me as I go. And you do that. There's an intentionality to leave things behind you, to leave your family for a while, to find a private place where you won't be hurt. That takes some effort. That takes some discipline. And we could have a hundred um, multiplications of that into our lives. But I just want to encourage you, however you do it for yourself, however you find it in your own life, make sure part of your praying, however you pray, is in private where it's just you and God. Yeah? Just you and God. Whether it's in the park or on the bus or wherever it is, just you and God. You connecting with Him. Take whatever steps you can take this year to secure that kind of place in your life. Why? Because I'm convinced, and I'm just trying to encourage you this morning, that kind of intentionality in your life, that kind of discipline in your life is going to get produce the fruit of the gospel in your life. Alright? So I'm not determining how you should do it. I'm just saying find a space in your life where just you and God are connecting. And so, I want to say this, that kind of discipline in private prayer where no one else can hear you is a fruit of the gospel. <laughs> it's a fruit of what Jesus is doing inside of you. Because you're not, you're not praying to be heard by anyone else. You're not praying to kind of show people you're spiritual. You're simply praying to connect with Jesus. And can I put it to you this morning? Ultimately, that's what prayer is. We get more of God when we pray. We get more of Jesus when we pray. We get more of the Holy Spirit when we pray. He is our great reward, isn't He? But our little minds are programmed in this way. I need some stuff, don't I? I need a job. I need an increase. I need this. I need this. So I'm going to go with my little prayer slot machine and I'm going to pray my prayers so in the hope that God answers and I get out the stuff that I need. Are you with me? God certainly answers our prayers and He wants to bless us. But the reason we pray in the first place is simply to get more of God. <laughs> more of Him. More of His revelation, more understanding, more of His grace, more of His favor, so that we can, we can be a blessing to others. Actually, even prayer is not centered on ourselves, it's centered on other people. 
as we get refreshed, as we get wisdom from heaven, so then we can live wisely, so we can be a blessing to others. We can know who to phone. Someone who really needs someone just to phone and say, I've been thinking about you. You know, it's amazing when you pray, how many things pop into your head. Have you ever found that? You kind of like praying, and suddenly this obscure person comes into your head. And you weren't even thinking about them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit inside of you is reminding you. We had a situation, Helen was praying two weeks ago. And suddenly, John, fun sale, popped into her head. Heather and John. And she started praying for John. Didn't know why. Phone John, said, John, I don't know why I felt to pray for you this weekend. So John said, oh, fine. Thank you for praying. I don't feel anything, but thank you for praying. We saw him at the wedding. A week after, he said to Helen, I've just had the worst week of my life. The worst week of my life. They're restructuring it up at our, our business and a whole bunch of people lost their jobs. It's been so stressful. I don't know if I'm even going to have a job in six months' time. What was God reminding Helen to do was to pray for him because God knew already that he was going to need some help that week. <laughs> You don't know when you pray, why you pray, or why God brings to mind certain people. Just pray for them. If God says, phone them, just phone them. You don't know why. You don't know how you're going to be a help to them. Are you with me? The gospel life in us produces spontaneous prayer. It produces disciplined prayer. And actually, the fruit of the gospel in our lives as we pray is seen in three ways. And I am finishing with this. First, simply in obeying Jesus. Simply in obeying Jesus. Gospel-based faith, putting our trust in the gospel, means that we trust Jesus and that if he tells us something is good for us, we believe him and we do it. So if Jesus says, shut your room and uh, shut the door of your room and pray in private when, when only your father can hear and this is going to be a blessing to you, you know what? I believe him because Jesus said it and that's good enough for me. And so, I want to encourage you with that. It's the fruit of obedience. The fruit of the gospel is seen in obeying Jesus. Secondly, it's desiring to receive more. When you understand the gospel and what Jesus has done for you in your own life and how he set you free from a whole bunch of stuff, you will, you will be able to say this with all of your heart. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you've experienced the goodness of God, you want to have more of the goodness of God, don't you? <laughs> you want to experience that more and more. And basically, Jesus says here, if we go into our room and we, we shut the door and we pray in private, we will be rewarded by our Father in heaven. And so we go with this great expectation when we pray that we can receive more of Jesus as we pray. What a glorious thing. He is our very great reward. And then thirdly, the third fruit of the gospel is that as we pray, we know all our needs are met. All our needs are met. Christ died for us, and we know that we have everything that we need because it's been purchased for us. Isn't that uh, what Romans says? Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave himself up for us, how much more will he not also graciously give us all things? What about 2 Corinthians 1.20? 
all the promises of God are yes in Him. In other words, can I say this to you? And I hope you can hear what I'm saying. Every prayer that God answers is good for you. <laughs> Every prayer that God answers is good for you. Even when, he pr when we pray and He says, not yet. <laughs> it's still good for us. Even when we pray and He says, no. It's still good for us. And that's what we don't like, isn't it? Because we want all the prayers to be yes immediately. No. Christ purchased by His blood every good thing for us. And so when we go into a room, we're not going to make a purchase. We're not going into our room to make a transaction. We're not going into our room to try and twist God's arm. We're not going to negotiate with God. We are going because we know that everything that is bought for us in Christ is good for us. And when we pray, He's going to answer us in a way that is good for us. And we do that simply by asking. And I want to put it to you in this way. Um, what I'm trying to say is this. There's a food bank down the road, right, that City Church runs for people that need help that are um, short of food. The vineyard does also a feed scheme. If you were starving, if you did not have any bread in your house, and all the food was, you knew that the food was in a container at City Church, or container at the Vineyard Church, and um, Christ did what was needed to open that container so that you could enjoy the food. <laughs> and you... To enjoy the food, you had to walk down the road. Or you had to walk from your house to the vineyard. And you had to stand in line and wait your turn to receive the food. You would do that with a heart of saying, Thank you, Jesus, for this food. You wouldn't say, I don't want to be legalistic. It's so legalistic to walk down the road. I've got to discipline myself to walk down the road. It's so hard. This is so legalistic, Lord, to get the food that I know that I need. Are you with me? You wouldn't do that if you're starving. <laughs> if you're starving, you just say, thank you, Jesus, that you've opened the container. Thank you that I can get there and I can stand in line and I can wait till you, till you answer and I can get the food that I need. Thank you, Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the difference? So many people, the gospel never makes you say, I don't need to stand in line. I don't need to believe in such... Discipline. We are just so grateful for the food that is coming from your Father in heaven. You'll do anything you can to get that food. But we sometimes like to stand like that, don't we? Spontaneously feed me, Lord. I'll just open my mouth. I want to be free in the Spirit. I don't want any discipline. Feed me. No, there's a simple discipline that comes just because we love Jesus. There's an intentionality that comes just because we love Jesus. Ask and you will receive. What does Matthew 7, 7 say? Knock and the door will be opened to you. Seek and you will find. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your fathers in secret, and your father who is in secret will reward you. And what will he reward with you with? For the sake of your own soul, 
for the sake of your family, for the sake of the church, for the sake of your job, for the sake of the nation, put this into practice in 2014. Be intentional about it. Do it with all of your heart. Why? Because when you pray, you get more of Jesus. You get more of Himself. And God gives you what you need. What you need and what I need is mainly Jesus. <laughs> that's what I need more than anything else is Jesus. And that's what we get when we pray. Amen? Let's stand together. And we're going to say thanks for... Okay, all right. A story. Should they stand while you share your story? Okay, go for it. Ed. Um, this is just, we were at um, Talks and Eunice's house yesterday for Seth's 13th birthday celebration. And I met um, Eunice's mum and her three sisters and one of her twin brothers. So it's a, it's a big family. But I, there was this lovely story of Eunice's mum had three girls and she decided she desperately wanted some boys. So she prayed to God and said, I want twin boys. That was her prayer, I want twin boys. So she fell pregnant, went to the midwife, had the check, and she said, oh, you won't believe it, you've got twins. So she said, yes, I know. I asked God for twin boys, and, and they were twin boys. And uh, I just thought such a simple statement of, I asked God, and I'm not surprised that he answered. And that really, really challenged me that to come with that simplicity when we ask and to be so clear in our expectation of God because he's faithful and he delights to give us good gifts. So let's just respond in worship. So thanks to the Lord for all that he's doing and he's done. Ed's going to lead us. I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for the power of prayer. I want to thank you, Lord, that you love prayer. And like any good father, you love it when we come and we ask you. And I want to pray, Lord, that you would keep us free as we even learn to pray as a church. That we would be disciplined in areas that we need to be. And that we'd be spontaneous in areas that we need to be. That we would see the life of your spirit encouraging us and motivating us in every way. And so I want to thank you, Lord, for the freedom that you've brought us in the gospel what you've done through Jesus. And we simply want to respond to you now. We want to say thank you. We want to worship you. And we ask, Lord, over the course of this year that the, the prayer life of this church will become increasingly rich and joyful and happy because of the life of Christ on the inside of us. And so we simply trust you for that and know that we can't do that ourselves, but that simply happens by the power of the Holy Spirit in us as we trust you for our lives. And so thank you for all you've done this morning. And I pray, Lord, even as we eat together now, uh, there would be joy in the house. Uh, as we welcome new visitors, there would be joy in the house. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.